0: Resilient Cyber Podcast brings you conversations from diverse cybersecurity professionals, ranging from executives, subject matter experts, and aspiring entrants. Today's diverse threat landscape requires systems that can
1: withstand a variety of cyber incidents, remaining trustworthy and secure. Resilient Cyber is sponsored by Acquia, a digital services, service-disabled, veteran-owned, small business that is passionate about enabling innovation and driving secure digital transformation. Acquia believes in guardrails over roadblocks and security as a business enabler. Learn more at Acquia.us. That's A-Q-U-I-A.us. We want to take a moment to give a shout out to our Season 6 sponsor, Push Security. If you're in a cloud-first business, you already know identities are the new security perimeter. Identity-based attacks are now the most common form of cyber attack, making up around half of all data breaches. Push Security gives your security team visibility of your whole internet-facing identity attack surface and automatically hardens it against identity-based attacks. So if identity security is a priority for you in 2024, check out Push Security at pushsecurity.com. I want to take a moment to give another shout-out to one of our Season 6 sponsors, Checkmarks. Checkmarks is a global leader in application security with a consolidated platform appreciated by enterprises across the globe. In fact, 60% of Fortune 100 companies use check marks to boost their security from code to cloud and trim down total cost of ownership. That means securing billions of lines of code every year, enabling almost 20,000 scans an hour and helping to plug over 2 million vulnerabilities. If you don't already, try to read their groundbreaking research and monthly trends reports. They've helped change my understanding of application security and software supply chain security, and I suspect they will for you too. Thank you for joining the Resilient Cyber Show. My name is Chris Hughes, and today I'm joined by Crystal Ponish. Crystal, thanks for being here.
0: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to chat. You know, we don't get a lot of marketing folks on the show, and marketing gets a bad rap sometimes among the cyber community. So I'm excited to chat with you. Uh, but for folks that don't know you, haven't been following, you know, some of your content, you know, tell us about Crystal. What are you up to, and how did you get to where you are in your career?
0: Um, so I'm currently the director of product marketing at Chain Garden, and. My career path has been kind of interesting and nonlinear, but I started out in my undergrad, I studied political science with um, a minor in intelligence analysis and got a really nice taste for, I think, an analytical mindset. And it was probably my first dose of um, cybersecurity without fully realizing what it would become at some point. Um, So from there, I had a kiddo so young that I, campaign work and politics wasn't necessarily going to work out. So I made a career pivot. I got into front-end engineering and long story short, somehow landed as a product marketer, which basically means I'm a pretty technical marketer. And my focus is actually translating technical products into business value and, and not just business value, but to all the associated people who need to understand it, whether that's an engineer or a CEO.
1: Yeah, I love it. I've been following your content. I noticed, you know, and I'll dive into this a little bit later, but you you know, you some of your content is pretty technical. And I was like, oh, Okay, she knows, you know, she knows what she's talking about a good bit here. And that's not always the case with marketing. Uh, So it does take me to my first question for you, you know, uh, cyber marketing, sometimes does get a bad reputation among the the practitioner community, or CISOs, you know, bemoaning that the way they're interacted with from marketers or sales folks, you know, why do you think that is? And you know, what do you think has kind of contributed to that over the years? I
0: think probably bad marketing <laughs> has contributed to it. I think marketers, um, I think there's a level of integrity you need to have when doing marketing that if you don't have. N- people don't trust and respect you, and particularly in our industry, trust and respect is critical because you're deploying technology into critical infrastructure Um So the idea of selling or marketing something without understanding what you're selling or marketing, I think obviously rubs people the wrong way. And by nature, you are less in tune with the person who is receiving your message. So you don't send it as well. You don't say say the right message necessarily. Maybe you say it at the wrong time or in the wrong way, or you use tactics that nobody wants. Um, I know for a fact, like we're seeing kind of across the board, like outbound, kind of cold calling to cybersecurity and tech personas. It's not really working these days because They hate talking to salespeople Um, and how much money is wasted on figuring out that they hate talking to salespeople um, instead of just, I don't know, listening, being empathetic, doing your research and get and knowing that ahead of time.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And I was going to ask, you know, in in terms of being technical, there's some folks who transition even from like engineering to like, you know, field sales or things like that. Right. Uh, Customer facing kind of sales roles. Uh, But I'm sure there's a balance there between like, you know, being technical enough, but also still focusing on the marketing side of things, you know, and actually, you know, communication, building that trust, you know, uh, what resonates with the community and your target market, those kind of things. How do you kind of balance that, you know, as you've kind of ventured through this career field?
0: Yeah, 1000%, you hit the nail on the head. A friend of mine was recently was talking about this as well, that there's there's a perfect balance, right? Um, And that's something I've learned over the years of probably going too far into the technical, right? Like it's, it's a rabbit hole trap where because there are so many smart technical people I work with, say, Chain Guard, for example. I mean, brilliant engineers all around me. There's not a whole lot of engineering problem solving I can contribute. But what I can contribute is understanding, oh, wait, I know that this person over here really cares about what you're saying. And I can promote your work. I can I can position. I can change the way you talk about it and I can make sure that people understand the value of what you're doing. So it's about finding that balance of, and we we talked about like signal versus noise of, okay, it's intimidating to walk into a technical environment. Like it's, everyone speaking a new language, literally like 10 different ones, right? Like not to mention programming language, cultural languages, if what department there's, it's so much. So you have to like really learn to Um, I think one thing that's actually helped for me, what I do is pattern match. I'll ask like 50 people the same question (laughs) and, um, you know, that really helps figure out what the noise is and what the signal is because you start to, to just see patterns across, okay, these are outliers, or these are things that when I ask this person, they're really not interested in. Um, and it's, it's a lot of just like studying people and research and empathy, And then yeah, knowing where to draw the line and say, I don't need to be the smartest person in the room. In my younger days, I definitely was and thought I needed to be. Now I try to be the dumbest person in the room more often than the smartest because there are always people who can explain things to me better than I understand it today.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. I feel the same way. If I'm the smartest person, person, like I'm not growing. I'm not in the right environment. I need to change environments. Um, I was gonna actually flip that around a little bit. It can be uncomfortable, as you said, for a marketer, you know, coming into a, a highly technical team and environment. But I imagine, you know, for some of the engineering folks I've worked with, they don't want to be out front facing people or interacting with people. Sometimes <laughs> they're pretty introverted. Sometimes, um, and it can be intimidating to them. So how do you kind of pull the engineering and development folks into maybe some of the customer facing activities or marketing, or you get them to come out of their shell? A little Bit, because i imagine you've encountered that a little bit too
0: yeah absolutely that's actually what i would consider my specialty and what i love doing it's it's where i find the most joy and passion engineers are incredible they build incredible things they do incredible things but they're so often just motivated by the fact that they're building something incredible and they're not nearly as often motivated by money or prestige i mean some are of course but um but they are also motivated maybe by educating others and problem solving and sharing information. So I just ask a lot of questions and I get really curious and I'm super interested in it so I I just take the time to get down to their level and learn what they're sharing, really understand what they're talking about um, and that's that's really it as far as I know and then just try to coach them yeah, some of them never want to be public facing, but you just find ways to accommodate that and and still highlight the really, the really great work that they do, um, but just help them maybe talk about it a, a little bit differently in a way that maps their engineering work to the, the actual impact on customers and the market. Um, and sometimes I'll, I'll um, actually what I can do, what I do that really works with that personality type is I collect all the data. I just do a ton of research. I'll enter, in my past, I've interviewed like 50 CISOs. Just tell me all the ways you secure your environment. How do you secure your build or your runtime um, or your endpoints? And I don't know, you just you just listen and then you connect that to what the engineers are building.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I found even in cybersecurity, you know, there can be certain people who are not used to interacting with people or they like kind of working in their, in their own space. And maybe they don't want to record video or audio, but maybe they like writing. They want to make some technical blogs or documentation, or they like doing demos and they want to record a demo of something they're working on. So kind of finding what outlet they're comfortable with and kind of meeting them where they are in that front. Uh, that's a good strategy I've had among cybersecurity peers, for example, um, you know, we talked about some of the bad marketing tactics uh, that have gotten cyber marketers the reputation they've gotten, you know, but when you look around the ecosystem among your peers, uh, people who are doing well and, and actually having success and are well received by the community, you know, what do you think differentiates a, a good cybersecurity marketer?
0: I'll try not to be too biased and talk about chain guard in the ways I feel even before I got here, I, I think chain, Dar- chain guard and Dan did a really nice job of, of being authentic. It's actually something we've talked about a lot. It's, it's that authenticity of you can't really fake that. Um, and you, you sense that in the market. I think Wiz also does obviously an incredible job with their marketing. Um, anyone who I think Versell as well is a really good example. um, But it's hard for me to find. I think the ones I like the most. Oh, and CrowdStrike, of course. CrowdStrike. CrowdStrike does. I will never forget RSA. um, Was it two years ago? What they they had that massive Arctic bear or whatever their their mascot is. So I think they did a really great job of turning it like adversaries into personas. So so. But I often feel that cybersecurity maybe needs an improvement in a lot of areas. Like we're doing incredible things, but it just still feels like too rigid. Um, and the ones who really succeed are the ones who make it authentic, who take away some of the, some of the rigidity, not always, but, and there's different markets of course, but just, just make it more real, make the ones who make it authentic and who actually talk about what practitioners are doing and working on instead of, I don't know, a buzzword they
1: heard they're supposed to write about one day. Makes sense. Yeah. And then you've also talked about, you know, how your role you're working with. Uh, you know development teams engineering teams like kind of bridging that gap between technical engineering and development types to the broader cyber business community and things like sales and go to market you know what does that look like for for a marketer how you kind of engaging those teams and trying to draw out you know what they're doing and how how you can try to resonate that from a business perspective you know what are some effective ways you've found to do that as a marketer
0: you know i wish like i said it really for me is a lot of like I approach it almost like a a researcher, an anthropologist. I I just do a lot of interviews and one-on-ones and people are usually more comfortable having one-on-one conversations. Um, but I, yeah, I interview convers or I record conversations a lot. I take that. I turn it into content. Um, Mm -hmm. What was what was the original question
1: remind me it was, oh i so was asking, like as, as a marketer like you know you're obviously you're you talked about bridging that gap between the engineering oh, yeah. teams development teams and like you know some of your activities around go to market and sales like you know what are what are those some of those activities look like and how have you found you know where are some of the effective ways to do it
0: Oh yeah, it's uh well. It's an art, not a science, so it's it's mm-hmm. not perfect. But I really like I really like the storytelling approach. I really like interviews um, and a lot of it's tactical empathy. It's mm-hmm. it's a lot of being very cross functional and deeply understanding everybody involved in the process. So, for example, one of my key responsibilities is like launching products. My teams will launch our different product lines or new features to market. That takes a ton of cross functional effort, and ideally. No thing, no feature is launched to market unless we know for a fact or at least have enough of an understanding or a belief that there is a market there. We should do some market validation, right? So, learning to couple with whoever the feature, the person coming up with the feature early on and go along with them to customer interviews, to learn about the technology, to ask questions. I have a lot of like processes and tools I use as well in product marketing that are pretty. Useful for this. Um, But the biggest thing is it's collaboration, empathy, and then
1: documentation, is is what I would say. Documentation, everyone's favorite. Um, So I want to ask you as well you know, I, I feel like, you know, marketers get a bad reputation, but to be honest with you, I feel like there's a lot that the cyber community. Uh, practitioners, including CISOs, could learn from our marketing peers. We hear a lot lately about, you know, uh, cyber speaking the language of the business, soft skills in cybersecurity, you know, needing to have these soft skills to be effective leaders in cybersecurity, and things like storytelling, building rapport, building trust, you know, building communication, effective communication with our peers. These are things that cybersecurity doesn't always necessarily do well uh, as, a, as a highly technical discipline, you know, h- historically. You know, how can cyber practitioners learn from our marketing peers to kind of build some of these skill sets?
0: Well, I would say just like learning anything, always have, you have to have the humility and respect of like, we all know different things, right? Like we all have strengths and weaknesses and as a team together, everyone achieves more. So be open to marketing peers. I think there's a whole new generation or at least in specifically in our industry, a whole breed of marketers who are deeply analytical and committed to understanding and, and serving our, our more technical counterparts. Um the other thing is, I think, I think technical personas could benefit from, and I think the challenge here, and this is where you lean on each other, because a marketer can tend to help bring out and understand emotional context quite a bit, and the fact that, you know, reality is perception is one of the kind of core rules of marketing, and I think when you're an engineer or very technical, logical, literal thinking, if that's your natural kind of default way of thinking, it's hard to think like that because it's like. Okay, wait, well, that color is technically blue, but this person is calling it periwinkle or something. I don't know. And you have to be able to blur the lines and see in between and and see the gray area and see the emotional context of why someone is saying something. So I think that's where marketers really help. Like you build the how and the what and the why often. And then we collaborate on a ton of the rest about who cares about it and how you talk about it and how you promote it.
1: Yeah, I love that. I think there's so much like, to be honest with you, that cybersecurity could learn from our marketing peers, especially as we try to build business relationships with our C-suite peers or engineering and development teams, breaking down longstanding traditional silos between our groups. Uh, And it all comes back to like the human element Like you're talking about, communication, trust, uh, building empathy for one another. And these are things that just haven't been historically prioritized in cybersecurity, Uh, at least throughout my career, a lot of the environments I've worked in. Um, I want to ask you as well, we, you joked about this a little bit behind the scenes before we went live here, but you're at a company that recently received a Series B. You know, they're they're thriving, they're doing amazing, right timing for what they're doing in the market, for what the market cares about. Uh, obviously, things are likely pretty busy, you know, behind the scenes. So what does the life of, you know, a, a product marketer look like right now in an organization like yours uh, having the kind of success they are?
0: Um, OK, well, it's let's make sure I don't I don't say anything that. Kaylin and Dan get mad at me for, but totally kidding. It's a, it's amazing. It's incredible. I love it. It's that is, um, it is my dream job. It's my dream role. It is a dream opportunity. It is so rare that you have a product that is truly first to market, something developers and security loves, and more importantly, like actually solving a problem for people um, that they actually care about. And, and um, it's so rare that a product essentially flies off the shelf. I don't want to but to some degree, we when platform engineers see our product or when people see our product, they say, oh, my gosh, like, wow, that's the thing that will take away a lot of this pain I've been looking at. And that is the most fortunate position a marketer can be in. I mean, I could not have a better product to market and a better, more brilliant team around me to do that with. Um, but it's a ton of work we're building. We are building a company and we're trying to build a company. Um, theoretically, right, that's a legacy company that lasts forever. That's what I'm trying to build. I think Chain Guard is deeply revolutionary. So so I'm clearly driven by my passion and it's a ton of work and we we're building a lot but we're preparing for our next stage and I think we're about to you know come out pretty pretty strong.
1: Yeah, I agree with you there. For folks that are interested in diving into the technical uh, aspects of it, I've had Dan on, Dan on in the past, and we dove into everything around hardened containers, Kubernetes, software supply chain security, open source security. Uh, so check that episode out. Uh, you can dive into all those topics with Dan that, uh, on that episode. Uh, you know, as we move towards the end of the conversation here, I have two couple of questions left for you. You know, from a, from your side, what does the term uh, cyber resiliency mean to you? It's a question I ask everyone at the end of the conversation here. <sighs>
0: That is such a good question. Um, I think it's the ability to accept that incidents and well, incidents, security and otherwise, it happens, and we are more resilient together. And we need to be, as especially as a nation, but as businesses and individuals. Um, so I guess cyber resiliency to me means like the ability to bounce back and bounce back fast and bounce back together.
1: Sounds good. I agree with that definition and it definitely aligns with the ones we've heard from other great folks in the show. Um, you know, our last question for you, you know, we kind of run the gamut of, you know, uh, what, what product marketing look like, looks like what good marketing is, what bad marketing is, how to break down some of the longstanding practices that have kind of impeded marketing within our ecosystem. You know, for folks not following ChainGuard or wanting to see what you all are up to, you know, maybe run into you at some major events this year. You know, I share the site. It's ChainGuard.dev, D-E-V. you know, where are some other outlets? You know, do you, do you have other you know events you guys are targeting this year that folks may run into you at? You know, where can they find ChainGuard?
0: Uh, I think we're going to be pretty much all over the place. We'll definitely be at Kubeconomia. Uh, We'll be at RSA. We're going to be releasing a ton of research soon. We have a we have a great research lab. We have a great academy. So I think if you're looking to learn about software supply chain security or vulnerability management, particularly around open source software, um, we'll be around. We're going to be we're going to be everywhere this year.
1: Yeah, not to sound like a ChainGuard salesperson myself, but I've actually had John Speed Myers on the show as well previously, (laughs) Uh, a a researcher at ChainGuard who has some incredible depth around software supply chain security and the lab that they have and the resources they have to go and learn about this topic are immense. So definitely check out ChainGuard Labs as well. Uh, That'll bring us to the end of the conversation. So Crystal, thanks so much for joining us today and thanks to everyone who tuned in. Thanks. Bye.